The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Oh, I said I wouldn't cry. Oh, Mum, have some champagne. Oh. You might as well, you're paying for it. <laughs> But seriously, thank you, everyone. Thanks a lot, Mum. Call me, Mum. <laughs> and how did you know I've always wanted to get married to a massive gay anthem? That was your mum's choice, not mine. Thank you for everything, Billy. I mean, no, just got it all worked out. Welcome to episode 77 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that needs to praise up front Paul, Abby, Sally, Shona, David, Billy, and to the mention Paul for the absolute moments of joy this week. It was a pleasant change on Gavin. And I've got Rog's Gobble Rabbits. I didn't understand a word of that. You didn't understand a word of what? Of what you just said. I said I've got Rog's Gobble Rabbits. No. None the wiser. (laughs) It's... um, it's, uh, tomorrow is, tomorrow, Stella and I are going to the uh, Grand Rapids Comic Con, and I'm going as Radagasta Brown from Lord of the Rings, and, you know, there's there's a famous line about, um, oh. <laughs> about him having a particular kind of rabbit that can outrun a warg. <laughs> You're so glazed over. Yeah. I've already lost interest in this. So join us next week for, <laughs> for more talk of this. I thought you were more familiar with uh, The Lord of the Rings and, and The Hobbit and all that fun stuff. We've seen all the movies. Yeah, once. I saw it. Have, I don't need to think about it anymore. Have you read anymore. the books? I've read The Hobbit. Huh. I don't think I've read Lord of the Rings. I think I read part of the first one, but it was... More boring than I imagined it would be, and so therefore I stopped. <laughs> Explains far too much about things. He's not a engaging writer, I don't think. Hmm. Well, we're going to get some angry letters this week. I don't care. Gerard Tolkien's overwritten, overwritten, overrated. Overwritten. Mine does overwrite as well. <laughs> it was kind of the the fashion to overwrite. At oh, the it, was, time. I think it was a style of the day, but Although this isn't C.S. the day. Lewis didn't write overwrite nearly as badly. In the Narnia and screw tape letters and all that fun stuff. Mm. Yes, so it's tended to not have to create maps and brand new languages to get his point across. Right. So that's great for the whole day tomorrow then? Yay. Oh, look at you. Yep. It'll just be you and uh, Patient X. Mm-hmm. Although, he's been quite chill. Mm. He's kind of demanding. <laughs> Refused to get up to get pizza tonight. Well, that's because I told him that... Oh, I know. He told me. <laughs> we had a child who had surgery this week, and 
I'm I'm very overprotective, overbearing mother who yeah. wants to wait on a man in foot. And he's milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not overprotective. <laughs> Go for your arse and get some pizza, basically. Yeah. Well, I also don't want him going downstairs, going up and downstairs, and so I think this is the compromise: is that I'm not letting him go downstairs to play on the PlayStation because I don't want him going up and down the stairs because um, it's he just had the surgery yesterday and the anesthesia hasn't completely worn off yet. He can walk 10 feet from the living room to pick up pizza though. Well, yeah. Right, he doesn't yeah. seem to think that he can because you told him that he can't. <laughs> so you've created a monster in other words. <laughs> and then you're going to fuck off for an entire day. <laughs> oh, to be you. Well, you know. It's 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 nice to have your mum take care of you and treat you when you're yeah, ill. Yeah, but you're not because you're fucking off to Grand Rapids. Yeah, but I did get today, and I will I will do Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Mm, sure. And he's back to school on Friday. Anyway. Anyway, That's... he's fine now, so don't y'all worry if you're concerned. I don't think anybody was concerned because nobody knew that this was going to happen. No, did they? but but they're hearing it now, and they're like, "Oh dear, one of their children had surgery this week." It was. They also heard me say, get off your arse and get some pizza, so I think they can assume that he's... <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes. Corey News. Bill Roach, a.k.a. Ken, said in an interview on This Morning that initially, way back in 1959... He didn't want to take the role on Coronation Street because he was far more interested in doing a play. Oh, Bill. <laughs> How did that work out? Well, obviously, he did the role on Coronation Street. His, his agent's like, look, you can do both. The play will be done, o- done, you know, and, you know, who knows how long this soap opera thing is going to last. And so he seems quite happy. Having been on it since It's a bit late to change his mind. It's like, oh god, I wish I'd taken that play after all, like, 60 years later. <laughs> if that's what you're thinking, you've ruined your life. <laughs> I don't think that's what he's you've thinking. Wasted I think he's just recalling... Six decades of your life. ...that he was a foolish young man back in 1959. 1959! Mm-hmm. Alexander Kirk returned to the in addition to Corey, he has appeared on Casualty, EastEnders, Mount Pleasant, Still Open All Hours, Drunk History UK. I'm quite excited about this. I didn't know there was a Drunk History UK. Neither did I, I love the American Drunk History. Never so heard I'm gonna of have it. To, I'm going to have to look into that because Drunk History is fantastic. Peep Show, which is also fantastic. Fresh Meat, Silent Witness, Hotel Trouble, Katie Brand's Big Ass Show, and Krakenori. So he's been a very busy boy. Yeah, he's been busy. So yeah. is this he wasn't he wasn't the first PI. Yes, was he, he was. He's the same guy. This is the same PI. Yeah. Yeah. So Gary's private investigator was Adam's private investigator. Yeah. Who Adam got to investigate? Gary, Gary. and then Gary paid him off. Remember? So now he's oh, Gary's right. private investigator. You'd think Gary would have learned. Eh. Do we really think Gary's... I thought this was a new one. I think I I I say so in my notes. Nah, no. It's the same guy. 
Finally, sad news. Sad news as Victoria Ekonoye has been booted off of Celebrity X Factor, even though she's clearly the most talented celebrity there. Outrageous. Yes? I don't know. I didn't watch it. She was good, though. Yeah, well... She got fucked over by her uh, coach. The... uh, Not the sugar snap pea. The (laughs) pussycat doll. Nicole Schwerer. She was the... I was never fond of the Pussycat Dolls. She was the coach for the over 30s, I think. And rather than save one of her own acts, she saved one of the bands. I'm led to believe. I didn't watch it, but... Mm. Oh, well. That and Catherine out of Strictly Come Dancing the week before. Yeah. All her hopes are riding on Beth and the ice skating that's coming up. (laughs) Come on, Beth. (laughs) Come on, Lisa George, you can do it. Yeah. Ice skating's not easy. <laughs> no. I mean, dancing's not easy either. Singing. Singing's not easy. Singing's easy for some of us. Well, singing's easy if you can sing. Yes. I guess dancing is easy if you can dance. And ice skating is easy if you can ice. <laughs> so we've kind of talked ourselves in and out of that then. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Lisa George, you can do it. You can keep the coriander up. All right. So to speak. Yes. And that's Cory News. Our mailbag. Quite a sparse mailbag this week. Aww. So you can get in touch on email. Uh, we are the talk of the street at gmail.com or you can interact on Twitter or Facebook. We are at Corey Podcast. If you write to us, we're going to read it out. We get quite a lot of interaction today on the Twitter. Lots and lots of stuff yeah, on the Twitter. Yeah. Um, everybody's favourite gay um, was LOLing at us and, and replied to us, and that was quite sweet. We got somebody following us who has 1.2 million followers. Oh, who's that? I can't remember. Some uh, game designer, I think. And, and who, whose name I really should have remembered before Charlie, starting that Charlie, sentence. Charlie liked quite a few of our tweets. Well, that's Charlie. Yes. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. We love you, Charlie. We also love you, um, Peter Ash. Yes. Who plays Paul, my favourite gay. So it's more from Kev. He writes in to ask, so is it seven episodes a week forevermore now? I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. I think this might be the last one. So this week or last week. Sally Carmen liked a couple of our tweets as well, but she didn't. Reply oh, you're still talking about the tweets. So people from people yeah, she from still hasn't followed us. I think that's the next one on the list. That's our target number one. I thought she followed us. No, she likes quite a few of our tweets. I think we've got nine or ten core actors that are following us, but I don't think she's one of them. Huh. Of course, that doesn't mean that they listen. No. Would it be funny if we're like talking to them as if they listen? I think some of them do. Well, Charlie did listen. We, we know that he, he listened at least that once. Right? Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody seems to like the he did tweet as well. I'm sorry. Get back to mailbag. Yeah, that's done. Because <laughs> oh, now we're talking about hindsight corner. That was it. Yeah, including Charlie. Charlie liked the he did. So is it Gary O'Neill who has? Like, yes. Yes. One point two million. Yeah, 1.2 million followers, and he's only following 888 people. Right. And we're one of them. Right. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Again, no guarantee that he's listening. Well, you know. He's too busy. Oh, my God. Games. The Rock knows this guy. No. Yes. No. Because Dwayne The Rock Johnson says thank you, G, to Gary O'Neill, the guy who follows us. He just said thank you. 
We work hard and take a swing. You know the drill, my friend. He's friends with the rock. It's not friends with the rock. We are like two degrees of separation from the rock. It's not friends with the rock. It's like the highlight of my life. It's really not friends with the rock. Don't take this from me. You're going to grand rappers tomorrow. Sharp. (laughs) Hindsight Corner. I seem to have a bit of a mental block when it comes to reasons why Fizz and Gemma might have some bad blood between them. And a hatchet to bury. Even in the week of episodes where plenty of attention is given to Elon finding out about Tyrone's dalliance with Gemma. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what... I don't know why they have... What hatchet they've got to bury, I've absolutely no idea. Huh. And then it's mentioned later on in the episode, which I then read out in my notes, and it still right. doesn't twig. Finally... Okay, so I think I figured it out. So Fizz was mad at Gemma for breaking um, Tyrone's heart, or no, no, Chesney's heart. No, no, no. Right, Tyrone slept with Gemma. Tyrone is now with Fizz. Right. So, oh, but on the was unwritten that law, that, that all women have to be angry with each other for sleeping with each other's men. Oh well, that's the dumbest rule, unwritten rule ever. Because if that were true, then none of the women on Coronation Street would be friends with one another because they've all slept with all of the men. Pretty much, Maria would have absolutely nobody to talk to. Right. Actually, she doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, because mm. except for Emma, who has not slept with the people that Maria has slept with, because Yet. Emma hasn't slept with anybody, has she? Oh, what? No, David. David. And um, Chesney. Well, like, did they? I don't know if they did or not. She seemed to imply that they did. She, she seemed to imply that he was quite good. I don't remember that. Yay. I don't know. Get back to your phone. This week last year. Oh, I love this part. I tried to make a tune to go along with it, but it didn't really work out. I liked it. You should put it in. Well, I kind of hooked it up to the the old mixing desk. I don't Uh know if this is going to work. You probably can't hear it, but... I tried to do a rip-off of... Don't don't say. Last week. Well, it's the same chords, but just in a different order. I like it. It's It's not a bad wee tune, but it didn't come through in the the mixer well. What? All this was kind of in the background and then the strings were far too... That sucks. <laughs> it's not a bad V-tune. You're quite good at this. I dabble. You do. I love welcome, it. welcome, welcome to last week tonight with me, John Oliver. No. <laughs> it's. You have a much nicer voice than John Oliver. It's this week last year. This week last year was Gina's Zombiezy box set. That was the name of the episode. Oh, yeah, okay. This was in the middle of Gina starting to fancy Tim and the genesis of my it's a coming line, which you were <laughs> you were adamant wasn't a coming, and in the end, didn't a come. Yeah, I This was marked right. our six months doing the podcast, which means we are now a year and a half. In wow, the wow. I was Gavin and you were disappointed. <laughs> Can you remember why? I cannot remember why I was disappointed. Here's a here's a clue. Was I disappointed in you? No. Oh, was, was I disappointed in the show? No. It was election season. Oh, okay, yeah. I know why I was disappointed. 
I'm over it now. In in hindsight, Connor investigated the fate of the wives of Ken and looked at Hope's lineage, which took me to explain all about John Stape, the man who I theorised was somehow connected to Jade last week. Right, and who you had to explain to me all over again (laughs) who he was. (laughs) So a year later. Apparently, I didn't remember. Didn't stick. No. Sally started yoga in prison. Oh, yeah, Sally was in prison. Remember that? Kate and Rana got engaged at the Rovers, and within five minutes, Kate had already gotten baby fever. Oh, I hated that. Carla discovered about Elsa and Nick. Remember Elsa? It's a trap. Let it go. Let it go. Our moment of the week was Rana and Kate simultaneously proposing, and our boring oh, yeah, moment of cute. the week was Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and that is this week last year. Ah. Shall we dive in? Dive in? Dive in? <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline tonight, of which I think we have seven. Ugh, there was a lot. It was a very busy week. We got through quite a lot of the week with just like four, four or five, and then they just threw another three of us, three of us uh, tonight. Yeah, and some of it I hated. Educating Abby. This was a good one. I enjoyed this. Uh, yes, I like this too. In voice roles, Brian has explained to Abby how getting any part in a multiple part question wrong means the whole thing ends up fucked, says Brian. Correct. And at the garage, Ken's... Oh, fucking hell, why can't I read tonight? I don't know. I haven't even been drinking. No. At the garage, Kev's got a night free and Fancy's gone out. Ty's busy, so he ends up asking Abby and she agrees after he promises to buy all the drinks. I would agree to that as well. Yeah, but initially we're starting to think... No. Is she just because he's buying all the no. anyway? Later in the cabin, Brian asks Sally and Tyrone if Abby is getting an early night. What with her GCSEs that start tomorrow, and Ty says that she's out on the lash with Kev, and Brian is gutted that he's putting all this effort for night, perhaps. Uh oh. So Abby is out with Kev, and Sally takes Abby to get home and get some revision done. And Kev is in full agreement that this is the best thing to do, and then goes to get some more drinks. Then Kev and Abby are still in the pub later on talking about famous Percy's when Sally comes in and tells Abby to get her arse home and she shoots Kev an evil Sally look. Uh oh. But then later still, Kev and Abby are still, <laughs> still in the pub. The and Kev reveals he has zero qualifications and Abby by this point is a little pushed. They talk about Just their old little. teachers and the two of them are getting on like the proverbial and they head off for a kebab. And Sally's pissed when a pished Abby comes home finally. Sally would have helped if she'd known that she was sitting at exams, but Abby wanted to keep it quiet and she crashes on the couch. And then Sally gives Kev a hard time for trying to get his hole off Abby. Oh, you forgot to mention the whole, the, the, the funniest part of that thing in the Rovers. Which was? Which was after Sally um, gives Kev a hard time. Um... Peter and, and Steve are at the bar and they're laughing about it and how how much of a hard-ass Sally is and, oh, they're so glad they're not married to somebody like that or have exes like that. And then Leanne comes in and, <laughs> and beats them both up with, you need to do this and you need to do that to both of them. Oh. That was funny. I That was the funniest part of that scene to me. On Wednesday then, Abby has crashed out on the sofa, fully dressed, and her alarm goes off, she snoozes it, and then falls straight back to sleep again. And she snores. A lot. She looks like she hasn't moved from... No, she hasn't gotten changed, she's not up in her own bed, 
She's got kebab smeared all over herself. Right. Because when Sally gets up, she finds Abby and tries to get her awake. It's 8.30. There's chilli sauce all over the couch. And the <gasps> little oil-proof bit of paper that you get underneath your kebab is stuck to Abby's face. Horrors. Sally offers Abby a ride to the exam. Otherwise, she's going to be late. And much later, Abby gets back from her exam, furious with Kev, who she blames for getting her wrecked. But it turns out that Abby thinks that she aced the exam after all. She was too hungover over to be nervous, and so she says sayonara and goes off to bed. After a rest, Abby's up and she cracks open a cider and she contemplates asking Kev out again tonight, hair of the dog and all that. And Sally wonders if Kev is a better catch now that he's worth a bit of money. Insulted, Abby storms out because Sally thinks that she's a gold digger. Correct. Sally is very weird about Kev. Mm-hmm. Which, rem- which she admits to. Yeah. Because remember when, when Gina was thinking of getting on with Kev, Sally got all weird. And Yeah, because only Paula was good enough for Kev. Yeah, isn't that weird? Why Very. Did, why did she not freak out about Paula? Maybe deep down she knew Paula was not interested in the penis. <laughs> oh, apparently she is, partly. Yeah, sometimes. But at that moment, she was not interested in the penis at the table. She was interested in... One of the vaginas. <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> Abby catches up with Kev in the rovers and Abby explains her argument with Sally and how she was ready to knock her fucking block off. Kev agrees that Sally right. is a snobby cow, but she's harmless. But if uh, Abby wants some breathing space, she can crash at his. And Abby is touched. And Kev looks like he thinks he might be getting his hole after all. So Abby yeah. goes back to Sally's. Sally's made spag ball. And Abby asks, what would be so wrong about her and Kev getting together? And Sally calls it a car crash waiting to happen. Abby is vulnerable. Yikes. And Kev has Jack to worry about. And when Abby announces that she's staying the night at Kev's, Sally goes full Sally. Here she is slaving over her pomodoros. And as soon as Kev comes into money, Abby is wetter than a weekend in Wick. Abby says she was only planning on staying for the night, but after this, Sally can stick her house up her arse. Right up up her arse. Oh my God, we haven't done that in forever. Haven't done that in months. Haven't done that in months. Ah, it was so good to do. (laughs) And she pours the spag ball over Sally's head. Yikes. That was hilarious. That was pretty funny. I loved that. So so many good things happened this week. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And this was one of them. And it was just one of them. The spag ball all over Sally's head. It was hilarious. There's something waste, that... Waste of a good spag ball, though. Obviously. But there's something that always looks a little bit staged about... Because if you were Sally, you wouldn't wait until Abby had finished pouring it all out before you right. moved. You'd instantly move away, but... But she doesn't. She doesn't. But it's funny because she looks hilarious with all the... the spaghetti and stuff the all over her head. And the meat in her hair. Right, yeah, she would have lamped her. Right. <laughs> Abby goes back to Rovers and explains about the new argument that she's had with Sally and the spag ball thing and all that. And Kev tells Abby she's welcome to stay for as long as she likes. Ha <laughs> ha. On Thursday then, Abby's <laughs> at Sally and continuing to pack. Sally asks her not to go and she's says that she's sorry. teddy bears for some reason. Right. She has an overprotective side when it comes to Kev. Abby reckons she's jealous and asks if that's her apology. Sally reminds her about the spag ball thing, and then the two of them collapse into each other's arms, giggling like swans. Do swans giggle? I don't know why I said that. I don't know either, because they don't. Sally points out that Kev really does fancy her, though. But that moment where the two of them just started laughing and hugging right. and making up was just I lovely. I to start making out. <laughs> no. 
but it was lovely when it happened, though. I actually applauded. I'm Aww. sitting watching and applauded. It was just lovely. You're so cute. Meanwhile, Kev is cleaning up the house, hoovering while singing, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of gay anthems this week. Kev and Abby are in the Rovers, and Kev is excited about her moving in. Abby's about to explain when Sally comes along, all sweetness and light, and saying that she's off to the prison break wedding. <laughs> prison break wedding. Kev is confused. He thought they'd fallen out, and Sally says they've made up, and Abby isn't going anywhere. But Kev says, but I've hoovered. <laughs> oh, Kev, it would never have worked, says Sally. Why not, asks Kev. Could you fancy her, says Sally. Well, Abby is sitting right, right there. there. And Kev behaves like a schoolboy as he denies it. And Abby heads back to work as Kev tries to mask his disappointment and yeah. fails. Yeah, and Sally looks back and... What's Abby that looks back? Yeah, that's what I meant. And so she kind of manages I'm, to see through the back of Kev's it's, head it's and realises... It's tough because Sally plays Abby. And Sally plays Sally. Yes. <laughs> Not a lot of Sally's going on. Yikes. A lot of Sally's going on. So that's as far as we get with that story this week. I thought this was a joy... Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I don't know why we went back to this whole, are you know, will they or won't they hook up, Abby and Kev, when I thought we'd already established that they won't, that that's not how Sally feel or Abby feels about Kev. <laughs> Sally doesn't feel that way about him either, because she's got Tim. And right. as we know, she's got her Tim. Tim is... And it's confused further by, in real life, the guy who plays Tim is going out with the guy who plays... The girl <laughs> the who plays, plays Abby. Sally. Uh, Abby. So there's this... Poor Kev's just... He's getting screwed. There's no hole to be Every had for Kev. Every to Christmas. Ugh, that's a wee shame. It is a wee shame. But yeah, good fun. I... Yeah. We'd been through this with... Kev... Not fancying Abby, and then thanks to Tyrone, I think. Yeah, fancying her. that he fancies her, and then, and then she doesn't fancy him. And then he doesn't fancy her, and he fancies this other woman, but then he's not fancying her anymore. And then Tyrone says something yet again about Abby, and now he thinks he fancies her again. That's not how fancying works. I don't know. So what's the... What's and didn't Abby initially kind of fancy Kev? I thought so. I still think they'd be quite good together. Uh, You're not convinced? No. I've got my heart set on it. I don't think it's going to happen, but no. I've got my heart set on it. No. So, um, what's the cliffhanger here? Is it Abby's exams? I don't know if there is a cliffhanger. Because there's no cliffhanger with the Right, because she's done her maths one, one and she still has done. to do her English one. Well, we thought it was done the last time they tried to rope-a-dope us into this idea, and then it fizzled. If so we're going knows? to be subjected to weeks of Kev trying to get in the Abbey's pants, that's not going to be very No. Very and that's, not go- that's going to start to become a hostile work environment. <laughs> right. It perhaps already is. Hmm. Hmm. It's going to be awkward. Uh, They're still mates, though. she just got this job back. After losing it and then getting it back and then losing it and then getting it back. Mm. Mm. Oh well, we shall see. Our next storyline tonight is Shona will get married. Damn it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> this... While hiding a baby butt behind her bouquet. 
Yeah, not very well. No. <laughs> Dear God, that's some shadow that bouquet is casting on her belly, isn't it? <laughs> and it, I don't know, we'll get to this. On Monday, at number eight, Shona is off out for a dress fitting. She's not walking out on the kids, Gail or David, and she ignores Gail's pleas for sanity. Oh, God, when Gail's pleading for sanity, you know something's going wrong. Yeah, well, the braid is gone. It is, thank God. Uh, Gail, Sarah and Nick are at number eight to discuss what can be done about Josh. Nothing much because they can't get near him, and Gail brings up the subject of the wedding again and how it's such an extravagant waste of money. Well, it's not like we can cancel it, says Sarah, and this seems to give Gail an idea. She's like, you know... Oh, baby. Hmm. Hmm. Shona comes into the floors to amend her order, and Mary informs her that her order has been cancelled. <gasps> Shona thinks it was David who did this. What? Yeah, David used one of the few times he's allowed to use the <laughs> telephone in prison to call Mary. Maybe Emma did it. <laughs> Maybe the private investigator did it. But no, it was Gail what did it. And Gail is standing behind Maybe her and she Nigel takes Hamer's responsibility. Nigel he thinks he's coming back. Did you see that? Yes, that's what the whole he did thing. Right. He thinks he's coming Maybe back. Maybe he'll come back as his twin brother. That's what he said. <laughs> it's quite possible. It is a soap <laughs> opera. And Roy's Rose, Leanne tells Shona that she agrees that it was optimistic to think the wedding would go ahead this week and thinks Gail acted for the right reasons. Back home, Nick ponders with Leanne that maybe he could get to Josh and speak to him using a fake ID made with Oliver's crayons. And maybe a fake moustache. <laughs> she? Oh, wait, he doesn't need a fake moustache. He already has a beard. He's got a very bushy beard now. Yes. I think he's Quite impressive. It. Nick is pacing, which means that he's thinking super hard about something. If only he can convince Josh that David won't testify against him. Mm. I got a little confused about all this. Let's crack on. Yeah. In Roy's roles, Imran and Nick have an amusing conversation about Nick's plan to see Josh. Run if he gets rumbled, and Imran says that he'll be waiting outside in his convertible, waiting for Nick to jump through a plate glass window into the passenger seat. And it Nick, was hilarious. It was hilarious. And why was it hilarious? Just because it was funny. It was, it was. No, this is why it was hilarious. It was hilarious because they said it could be something like Baby Driver. Oh. And Edgar Wright on Twitter said, I heard that somebody on Coronation Street mentioned Baby Driver. Can somebody Uh get me a sound clip of it, please? (laughs) Did he? Yes. That's great. So Coronation Street said, we'll see what we can do. Oh, that's brill. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine. Right. Imagine the possibilities. (laughs) Nick asks who Josh's lawyer is, and after Imran tells him, he quickly susses that Nick is going to impersonate a lawyer just because he's wearing a suit. Ooh, although, although, I hope I hope nobody tells Edgar Wright about that Sofa Cinema Club episode that they did about um, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Well, they kind of liked it. They just didn't love it. They didn't. They didn't really like. they didn't really like it very much. They were like, hey, it's fine. Did. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it all right. I mean, it's not the best of the Coronetto trilogy. The Coronetto? Coronetto. It's... I... Coronetto. Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably is. I think it's my favourite. You think Hot Fuzz is your favourite? Yeah, I think it's, there's more laughs to that than there is to the other I'm ones, I think. much prefer the other two. I nah. much prefer Shaun of the Dead and um, the last one, the the world's end i always f- get world's end and that seth rogan movie 
confused because they came out at the same the time world. and they were both about the apocalypse. I'd, I'd, I'd go fuzz dead world. I'd probably go dead world fuzz. Hmm. Hmm. At home, Shona reveals that she's cancelled everything and of course this is when Lily comes down the stairs in her dress. Aww. Of course. It was cute. It reminded me of Stelly's uh, flower girl dress. Next at the hospital and Billy sees him and fairly quickly reasons that he's here to see Josh. Nick says that he put David in this mess, the least he can do is try and get him out of it. Or make things much, much worse. If they arrest me, so be it, says Nick. And then Billy threatens to grasp on Nick, telling him this is not the way to do things. And that's enough to dissuade Nick. And he meets up with Leanne in the pub later and then fucking Billy shows up again and takes a seat with him. He doesn't want Nick to hold it against him, so to speak. Leanne begs Billy to have a word but Billy doesn't think it's ethical to try and convince a rapist to tell the truth. <laughs> Plus, he says, he can't just visit whoever he likes. But yeah, Except, he can. didn't he do that with Josh when he was blind? And also, he can, because he's a member of the clergy. He can visit whoever he likes. Billy will think about it, so long as it's above board. On mm. Wednesday, Nick and Shona are heading off to the prison, and Nick's Rover 75 takes a bit of coaxing to get started, which, in my experience, is entirely... Compatible yeah. with Rover 75s. It's a piece of shit. Why does he have one? He, doesn't he? He sold his... He sold his nice car to Imran, but... Right. And then, then, he, then bought a Rover 75. Then he has quite a bit of money because he owns the factory. You does think he? Because do... it wasn't making any money. I don't know. Billy goes in to see Josh, claiming to be one of his parishioners. And Josh... Josh refuses to change his story, but Billy points out the flaw in Josh's master plan. If David goes down for attempted murder, he's never going to rest until Josh gets done for rape, and he has to explain how compelling a story this would be to a jury. I'm not sure what Josh's plan is here. There's already going to be a trial. Can David not mention it there? Right, seriously. But Josh doesn't care, and he throws Billy out. And later, Billy's quite... Billy's quite unbilly. Billy's quite speaking in a very deep voice when he's speaking to yes, Josh. Yes, he's quite harsh and, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's not being, you know, kind, gentle Billy trying to soften things and, and everything. He's he's quite authoritative. And he's threatening. Yeah, that's, that's so unlike him. But Billy's looking offensive. And Roy's rolls when Paul comes in and wants to know what's happened. Billy says he can't talk about it and then immediately starts talking about it. It's about Josh and how... Uh, Josh raped David. Yeah, well, he doesn't say Josh raped David. Not immediately. Wait, it's five no, seconds before he says no, it. No, no, no. Paul says, well, you know, I told you my secret. Right. Why can't Why can't you trust me? And Billy, Billy... Because that's not how secrets work. Right, first of all. And Billy says, well, that's exactly why. Because I know your secret. I can't tell you this thing. And so Paul is able to deduce that... It's something very similar to the, what happened to him and what his secret is. Paul has also seen the prison riot video. Yes, because everybody because has everyone's seen, seen it. it. Because it's been on the internet. Who took this video? I still don't know. There's no blood on David. There's no way he could have stabbed him. End of. This knocks the wind out of Paul's sails. But this explains a lot about uh, when he and David were cellmates and how jumpy David was. Paul offers to take Billy for a proper drink, but Billy needs to see David. Maybe another time, and then Billy goes to prison and fills David in. But not like that. Thank goodness. At the hospital, Paul is impersonating a janitor. (laughs) Wearing blue scrubs. Yep. Janitors don't wear blue scrubs. Well, in the way they generally do. Huh. 
He's blue scrubs are for nurses. Here, where he got this uniform from, we well, can we can only guess. They're scrubs. You can get them at the Goodwill. And he gets into Josh's room where he closes the blinds, and then he starts battering Josh and calls him a rapist. Paul says that he's a friend of David, and he's not for letting Josh get away with this. Paul says the guards don't give a fuck about him. He's not David or Billy. He's done plenty of time, and he's not scared of doing some more. Plus, he knows all the other prisoners, and he knows all the other guards. And he knows the people who make his dinner. Paul can get to him any which way. If David goes down, Paul will make sure Josh's life is a living nightmare. (laughs) And then Paul leaves, and uh, Josh sees Paul chatting happily with a guard about last night's football results. Uh Which gives him pause um, yeah apparent it, it seems like paul dug his elbow into josh's wo- knife wounds right yeah and which, he seemed to be enjoying which, it which would hurt right yeah i'm just i'm just happy to see paul in something other than sweatpants <laughs> paul was fantastic in that scene he is he's great <laughs> imran sees david in prison to tell him that josh has changed his statement and has put the blame on tez and Ave after Huzzah! all David is free to go home, just like that. <laughs> then Shona's in the bistro when she gets a call from David explaining about Josh's statement. He'll hopefully be getting out tomorrow. Lily can be a bridesmaid after all. He then walks into Abe who wants to know why Josh changed his mind. David doesn't know and he doesn't care. Abe says, this better not come back on him. Uh-oh. Yeah, buckle up, buckaroo. Because <laughs> that is a coming. In the rover, Paul finds out from Billy that Josh changed his statement and then susses that Paul had something to do with it. (laughs) Very quickly. (laughs) Back home, Paul goes through his actions of the day and he's chuffed with the outcome. Billy thinks Josh will never change his worldview now and Paul, quite rightly, could not give a solitary fuck about this. Seriously. This was all worth it. Josh is taking too much from too many people. Absolutely. Billy, who normally has been very quick to fight the good fight and do the right thing here right. decides he's quite comfortable not doing the right thing and he says Paul can put his own b- demons to bed now if he wants to do that and they hug and Billy gives him a wee kiss and thanks him yeah it was a cute little wee spoony hug that was nice I liked that back at number 8 Shona is resurrecting the wedding plan and Mary has agreed to redo the flowers Bethany still advises caution David might not get out tomorrow after all one of Bethany em- just wants everybody else to be as miserable as her <laughs> right but one of Imran's maybes is good enough for Shona. She is refusing to be negative. She is getting married tomorrow. Damn it. <laughs> On Thursday then, Thursday's episode was pretty much Ugh. entirely about the the wedding, how we were going to get this to happen. David phones Shona and wishes her happy wedding day. Are you in, she asks. Are you out? Are you shake it all about? And he confirms... Do you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around? The hokey pokey? The hokey pokey. Oh, no, 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 no. Hokey cokey. Hokey pokey. Hokey cokey, I think you'll find. It's hokey pokey here. He confirms that yes, he'll be out and ready for the 12pm wedding. Jeez, can they not give him like, until like four in the afternoon or something? They're just Seriously. making this doubly hard for themselves. Give the guy half a chance. And Abe is watching on and listening on and he's doing this ominously, but ultimately this doesn't come to anything. Well, it hasn't come to anything yet. Yet. Yes, and he's misplaced his top hat once again. And he hasn't gone to the theatre in weeks. Oh, still making that Abraham Lincoln joke. Yes. Audrey's doing the ironing, wondering where on earth Ipanema is. Where is Ip- Ipanema, my darling? Ipanema's in Brazil. It's, I think it's one of the beaches in Rio. Yes. 
It's a real place, Audrey. You're welcome. Right. And nobody knows this. Nobody knows this. Gail doesn't have time. Is everyone in the world that's watching this shouting Brazil at the TV? Or is it just me? Probably just you. Okay. Gail doesn't have time for the shite. Shona slides into the room. Literally sh- slides into the room like, uh, like she's doing Tom the Cruise and, and Risky Business. Only she's not wearing tidy whities Yep. And socks. And a blue shirt. Or it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> she's much taller than Tom Cruise. David is being released. Sure, sure enough, Nick is picking up a free David and a shitty Rover 75, which of course doesn't start. And this again is entirely my experience of this fucking heap of shit. Yeah, car. and both of their phones are dead and apparently they don't have a phone charger in the car. It doesn't matter. If they had a phone charger in the car, it wouldn't work. Yeah, well, Why? Because it's a Rover key, 75. It should work. Oh no, the cigarette lighter wouldn't over. work. The cigarette lighter wouldn't work. Who has a cigarette lighter in their car anymore? Well, that's how you charge it. You have your little 9-volt thing that you plug in. That wouldn't work. Mm. That's what the 9-volt thing used to be, was a cigarette right, lighter. Right, yeah, but it's not anymore. That's a 9-volt. Yeah, it's a 9-volt. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Mm. Why wouldn't it work? Because the car won't work? Because it's a Rover 75. Yeah. But, I'm surprised I mean, the doors work. Sometimes I put my, my phone on the charger and the keys aren't in it and it still charges. That drains the battery, which yeah. I've found to my peril. <gasps> and a Rover 75 <laughs> The Bistro is all decked out with yellow ribbon Which according to Leanne is what they did when Sally came out Billy oh, asks well. Gail if everyone's on their way As a registrar has a lesbian blessing it too And is getting a bit jumpy Yeah, And ever since then The, the song she tied a yellow ribbon Has been stuck in my head Or she wore a yellow ribbon Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree Right yeah I know I know that's what that is What? But it's also there's also an old, like, cowboy song, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, and that's the one that got stuck in my head, not tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. But tie the, the yellow ribbon. It's been for a long year. It's about murder, isn't it? Me? It's about a soldier coming home from war. Is it? Yeah. I thought somebody got out of jail. That's why, that's why um, like, when we have been at war, families who had soldiers would tie a yellow ribbon around the trees in their yard. Did they so, not do that in the UK? No, because I think it was a bit wonder. Shona yeah. shows up in her dress. What did you think of the dress? It It was a wrap, s- wasn't it? Sort of covered the baby bump by just being very loose and flowy. Yeah, there wasn't much to it in terms of shape. It was, a, it was kind of shapeless. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't what you would expect to see Shona in. It was more of a Sinead wedding dress than a Shona wedding dress. By being kind of hippie and, and mm. flowy and stuff. Guests start to arrive and Roy offers to sit with Shona until the time comes. Everyone and all is, the guests just go right for the booze. Right. Everyone is trying to get a hold of David and Nick, but both her phones are dead because of plot. Gail worries about an accident. It's happened before, she says. Then Shona sees David and Nick get dropped off from a prison van and they hightail it to the bistro. Gail makes too much of a fuss of David. Not even bothering to get poor David out of his prison. No. Garb. I'm surprised he didn't have a wee yellow tabard on. You'd think maybe Nick would have had a suit or something in the car. And we were asked to believe that he was great friends with somebody who works at the prison who agreed to give him a ride in the prison van. that happens. You hang out with people long enough. You know, you make friends with the... 
with the people who work there, not necessarily the guards. Gail makes too much of a fuss of David and Kathy. That was Kath. like a laundry truck. No. Gail makes too much of a fuss of David and Kathy and Leanne make Norman Bates comparisons. I'm coming out, plays as Roy leads I'm Shona into the bistro. Yeah. Then Billy goes to say a few words because Billy, but he has to wait because David winches the face off Shona. Then which the is ceremony cute. is underway and David says his vows, which features donuts and holes. And on that, they're pronounced husband and wife. Not bad, says Gail. And David, who's still in his prison gear, gives his mum champagne. She's touched because he called her mum. And David approaches Billy about the massive gay anthem he has for the music, but this was apparently Gail's choice. Correct. Nick informs Shona and David that Imran has told them that the CPS are resurrecting the case against Josh. And Shona says, the good times, they're about to start. Yes. Did you enjoy the wedding? Yeah. Yeah, it was... It's not the worst Corey wedding I've ever seen. What would be the worst Corey wedding you've ever seen? Guess. <laughs> oh, the, the one where Kirk was dressed as a vampire? That, one. <laughs> that would be it. Okay. <laughs> That's probably fairly low on my list as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it was... Nice to have something positive, right? It was and, sweet and, and, and it entirely was positive. Yeah, nobody got into a fight. Nobody slept with somebody else's husband. Because remember Tracy and Steve's wedding? Nobody got thrown into the cake. No. Nobody ended up in a fountain. No. Nobody it was ended lovely. up falling out of a window. No. It was. Nobody got shot. Nobody. Some people got shot, but that was no. Fun. Nobody got shot at the wedding. Mm. No. Yeah, I fairly enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I'm I'm just happy it happened. On Friday, David's getting used to life on the outside again. He and Shona have some low-level banter about going back to prison for their honeymoon, and this seems to give Gail pause. And later, Shona and David come home, and Gail has booked the two of them into a spa for a quick getaway. In fact, the kids are going as well. Yeah. It's her treat, and the taxi is on its way to pick them all up. Yeah, well done, Gail. Paying for a trip for all four of them so you can have the house to yourself instead of letting them have a proper honeymoon and keeping the kids with you, your your grandchildren, who you haven't seen in months while you were out in Thailand. Getting- Gail. <laughs> Gail. Keep those children with you. Let them have time to themselves. The children have school. I think it's just a weekend away, though, wasn't it? Still. It wasn't a... It wasn't all that extravagant. Still, she should have kept those kids. It's within a taxi ride, after all. No, no, she didn't spring for a trip to Thailand for them. So do you think there's something going to come back to bite somebody on the arse about this Abe thing? Yes. You can't have somebody looking at a phone conversation like that and then nothing happen. Correct. That has to be a payoff to that somewhere. Yeah. Oh, well. What was Abe in for? I can't even remember. But he's going to get done for attempted murder. So he's not getting out anytime soon, but I guess he knows people on the outside. Right, yeah. Plus, people tend to get out of prison for nothing. Right. Yeah, if when they need to get out, they get out. Yeah, so hope, So maybe this will put David and Shona in witness protection and they'll be off the show for a while so that Shona can have her baby. Oh, there we go. Is that just off the top of your head? Kinda. What kind of non-committal answer is that? <laughs> The very best kind. Although, Jack P. Shepard isn't having a baby, so he can stay on the street. Yeah, he's not going out for six months. No. Or maybe he has. 
God, the tan that he's going to come back with. <laughs> I know. He gets you out sunscreen, of, Jack. You get out of prison and all of a sudden he's quite pale. <laughs> he's missing those tanning beds they have at the prison. Our next storyline tonight, Tracking Daniel. Ugh. This was on the ugh. But later on, this is going to turn into another story. Yeah. On Monday, a delivery comes into the cabin for Sinead. Aww. The delivery guy's lost and Peter ends up signing for it, explaining that she dead. She dead. And this seems to be enough for the delivery guy. Like, alright. Fair enough. Okay. Sign. Thanks. Peter reckons it's beard oil supplies. And at the flat, Peter and Carla discussing what to do with the beard oil. Carla's curious how it's made and she finds a list of clients and suppliers and she wonders if there's a recipe somewhere. It'd be a shame to let all this go to waste. Then later, Jenny is boring Carla and Peter with Gemma's baby photos. They're already pronouncing Cleo incorrectly. They they were from the beginning. That's just Cleo. That's just Cleo now. Yeah. Carla gets a text from Daniel telling them that they can do whatever the fuck they want with the beard oil. Then, doesn't fucking care. No, like Carl's at number one going through Sinead's notes. She's taken over. Why does David resp- or why does Daniel respond to them, but not anybody else? <laughs> she's taken over the dining room table. Ken suggests speaking with Daniel, but she says he has enough on his plate. Then she finds instructions and stuff, and she fist bumps Ken. Exactly like that. Exactly like that. Jenny informs Beth about Carla's plans to revitalise the beard oil business, and Beth does not take this kindly. She goes round to number one and gives Carla peace of her mind. She doesn't want anyone getting rich off the back of this, and Carla explains that they're doing this for Bertie. This seems to calm Beth, and she slinks off, but not before dropping Jenny in it. On Wednesday, Carla's busy working away on the beard oil stuff. She has a few meetings set up, and Ken's pleased to see the old Carla back. She goes off to get her laptop from Roy, who apparently has been hogging it for some reason. Beth comes in to tell him that the funeral is set for the 18th. They can't hang around waiting for Daniel, and she questions if he's even going to contribute anything. Ken offers to pay for part of the funeral, and they arrange to meet for lunch to discuss it further. In Roy's roles, the reason for Roy's harbouring of Carl's laptop is made clear. He's playing Scrabble online. Hmm. In comes Carla demanding the laptop back. She has a meeting and she replaces it with Simon's old laptop, which looks like it weighs about £50. This will come back up again on Friday. Correct. But for the meantime, Kev... Kev? Kev has nothing... But in the meantime, Kev has nothing to do with this storyline. But Ken, however, leaves a message with <laughs> Daniel and Peter and he thinks it's bad form that this is getting landed on his dad. Daniel has a lot to answer for. Peter offers he and Adam join in Ken in this lunchtime meeting with Beth. And the lunchtime meeting the Rovers does not go well. Beth, Kirk and the other two have been making arrangements, none of which are in line with Sinead's wishes. In fact, they're kind of the opposite of Sinead's wishes. Yeah, like uh, so many of them. Like every little thing. It's like they're they're reading very specifically. She said she did want flowers. Well, we're going to have flowers anyway because that's what my mom wants. Right. It's like, it's not... Why did Billy give them this list? Why didn't Billy just say... All taken care of, you just have to show up. Right. That's what Sinead told him to do. They're ordering flowers when Sinead didn't want any, and they're ordering some kind of gaudy angel headstone that has Sinead's face in it. Right. That's just the most awful thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so disturbing. It's been ordered and everything now, and Ken doesn't think this is what Sinead or Daniel would want, and Beth says, well, Daniel ain't here, so fuck him. And he's beginning to regret giving Beth money. Yeah, if that's how she's going to spend it. Yeah, yikes. 
Finally, Daniel gets in touch with Ken. He doesn't know when he's coming back, but Ken needs Daniel's input. Daniel says he's fine with whatever and trusts Ken's judgement. He and Bertie won't be back for the funeral, by the way, and he hangs up. He looks like he's, uh... He looks like he's walking up the road from your mum's house. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, like, oh, look, they're, they're filming this in current Shore. That does describe 95% of Scotland. Oh, Scotland yeah, it's true. <laughs> Ken phones back and tries to encourage Daniel to come home for the funeral. Ken knows Daniel is scared of being home without her. This seemed to take Daniel by surprise that Ken had this insight. Mm-hmm. That's what friends and family are for, he says. Ken begs him to come home and Daniel insists that he can't. So it's Ken who hangs up on him this time. And Ken goes back to the rovers as Kirk and Beth are talking about a horse-drawn carriage. <laughs> oh, my mum says that this is what Sinead would want. Right. No, she wouldn't. Beth doesn't care about Daniel's grief as long as Bertie is there. And Ken pulls his collar while Peter talks mm-hmm. them out of the angel statue. Mm-hmm. When Beth and Kirk leave, Ken tells Peter about the phone calls with Daniel. A pig's tit, says Peter. Then Ken and Claudia are at the bistro. Claudia's listening to Ken moan about Daniel and Claudia observes that they both like a good wallow. If he's so desperate to get Daniel home, there's a very obvious thing they can do about it. Go get him. And Ken says they don't know where he is, but Bethany, who's their server, might have an idea about that. That's not like Bethany to stick her nose in something, is it? Hmm. No, no, she's usually quite, quite standoffish. Right. They reckon Daniel is at this Highland Path, whatever that means. And despite Peter's reservations, Ken and Claudia pack and stick to their plan. If Daniel doesn't come back, he'll regret it forever, says Ken. In come Kirk and Beth, who confirm the headstone has been cancelled and the flowers have been replaced by a single silver birch. She'd like to start again and work together. No one mentions that Daniel has no intention of going to the funeral. And this is where this kind of storyline takes a little pitch, because Carla's in it. We can pick up the Roy stuff from Friday. So Roy has been playing Scrabble online all night. Mary thinks it's romantic and paints a picture of a grizzly mariner tossing in his hammock in the South China Sea. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that or not like that? Exactly like that. Okay. Playing Scrabble with Roy. Carla thinks he's knackered and so does Brian and Carla calls him an addict. Carla meets up with Mary and Brian. She's worried about Roy's obsession with Scrabble. They need to wean him off it, get him out of the flat. And Mary suggests a game of Scrabble in the pub. Baby steps, she says. Why are they even caring that Roy's playing Scrabble? Because he's not getting enough sleep. And Carla tends to do this to Roy. She tends to infantilize him. And, you know, act like he's incapable of taking care of himself. That's just what she does. Because people play games like this. I've got 17 Words with Friends games on the go. I wouldn't say I was obsessed right, by it. but you don't stay up all night long playing and not getting enough sleep and being cranky in the morning. No, I play I when mean, I'm... I mean, you're cranky in the morning, no. but that has nothing to do with Words with Friends. I play it when I'm sitting on the lavvy pan. That's when I play my Words with Friends. Right. So if you play Words with Friends with me, that's what I'm doing for them. <laughs> At Gaviano. <laughs> when I'm playing my... Are you, are you at Gaviano on the Word with Friends? I can't remember. Yes. I don't think so. I think I'm just Gavin Broom. Uh, I don't okay. know. Maybe well, I'm Gaviano, I don't know. You can look him up. You can play Words with Friends with him. I've had a very good week on Words with Friends. Oh, well mm-hmm. done. Yeah. So, in the Rovers, Evelyn has joined the Scrabble game and is playing, or is trying to play, a BBQ. Mm-hmm. And she's not happy when it's proved that this isn't acceptable. 
Roy, who's sitting at the table and who hasn't taken his jacket off, plays Moho, which Evelyn thinks is made up. Cathy says, tonight is about more than a board game. And Roy immediately says, well, what do you mean by that? And then works out that this is all Carla's doing. And he leaves. The Scrabblers track Roy back to Roy's roles and shout their apologies through the letterbox. And Evelyn, Evelyn accuses so Roy of being scared that she'd beat him, even <laughs> though that Roy was more than 100 points ahead. And she tried to play BBQ. Roy. That was hilarious. Roy is on the laptop. Where are you? He asks. Who's he talking to? I can't tell you. I know. But I can't tell you because spoilers. Mysterious. Mm. But he's not playing Scrabble. So the reason well, that he's been sitting up all night isn't, go, isn't anything to do with Scrabble. No, is it? it absolutely is to do with Scrabble. He's playing with a particular person. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think we will find this out this coming week. Interesting. Do you think Daniel's coming back for the funeral? I don't know. I re- I honestly I honestly don't know. It's very strange. I mean, in terms of how these storylines typically go, you'd think he's not coming back. He's not coming back, and then at mm-hmm. last minute he comes back. But I don't know if he is or not. No. In fact, I think I'd probably, if I was a gambling man, say that he he wouldn't be coming back. Mm-hmm. And then he will regret it for the rest of his life. Right. And that's what you get for kissing Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's all very strange. I I mean, Ken is right. Ken is right that he's he's doing this to avoid... He's running away because he doesn't want to be in the places that remind him of Sinead. Right. He's absolutely right about that. Whether or not that's enough to get him home, I don't know. Do you think, I wonder if Claudia and Ken are going to be successful in finding him and dragging him back, or at Uh, least uh, convincing him to let them take Birdie to the funeral. Right. I don't think they're going to go there and fail. If they're going there, then they're going to succeed, you'd have thought. Mm. But then why would he give Bertie away? Because then how does he get Bertie back again? He has to go back to Gelm. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was quite hilarious that, you know, somebody said, this is what this family does. We send our children away to Scotland when people die. Yeah, I think it might have been Peter that said that. Yes. <laughs> There's also a little it's thing really that's... nice when the show is self-aware like that. Mm-hmm. There's a scene, <laughs> uh, I think I talked about it where. Ken's on the phone to Daniel, leaving a message. Daniel, please answer the phone. We've got some really important things that we need to talk about. And Peter's just standing across them from him and says, no answer then. <laughs> what was your first clue, Peter? Seriously, what was your first clue? And and again, why is it that Daniel's perfectly capable of responding to Carla and Peter about the beard oil stuff, but then goes radio silence with everyone else? Right. I just doesn't want to speak to... Speak to Ken, I guess. He can just text. Just text. Not coming back. Ta. Well, I think he doesn't want to admit that to anybody. And yet he does. He eventually does. Just to, it seems to do Walking it to get... Walking up the road from your mum's house. <laughs> he seems to do this to get, to get Ken off his back, but all that does is make it worse. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. He's not shaving either. It's not a good look. No. 
There's a strange little story uh, about Asher's lunch that happened on Wednesday. Asher comes into Dev's to check on her kebab shifts with Cathy and then starts to help out stocking shelves. She'd rather hang out with Cathy than go to school with her mates, so Cathy sticks the kettle on. And later, probably at lunchtime, Asher comes back to the shop claiming to have left her lunch money at home. Cathy suspects problems at school, but Asher insists not. Then Simon comes in. Simon's back. Yay! And talks about his school work, and when Asher finds out that they're both doing sociology, she hightails it out. Mm-hmm. And Cathy's suspicious and asks Simon to ask Amy to stick her nose in and see what's going on. And later, Amy leaves a message with Asher, inviting her around to hang out that Asher doesn't seem to accept. Yeah. And that's yeah, all that happens with that. And Asher makes a snide comment about Amy preferring to hang out with Emma. Oh, all she wants to do is talk about her new sister. Her cool new sister. Because Emma's so cool. Well, she is. That's Emma good, is uh, lovely. If you're of a high school age and you've got somebody like Emma that's suddenly your sister, I think yeah. you're, you're fairly going to brag about that, aren't you? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, that just seemed to be filler, so let's skip over that and talk about Ray Weinstein, which happened on Friday. Robert is at Irish Tina's getting ready for work. He's only just arrived, she says. He has to rush off to the cash and carry. She offers to go to work with him. Finally. Yeah. Why don't I come with you? <laughs> but he says that that's not possible because of, oh, Michelle. And Irish Tina wants Michelle told tell soon. Michelle? Then Michelle goes into work and Ray isn't chuffed to see her. He doesn't seem to care about her following that uh, Weinstein moment that she knocked back. There's a big conference coming up and he puts her on the job to do it herself, which includes moving all the chairs and Michelle yeah, is not happy he, about this. Yeah, because he let the other people go who were right. supposed to move the chairs and yet there's so many people still going back and forth while they're talking. Yep. They can't find anybody else to move those chairs. She calls him a sleazebag for life and then quits, promising that she's going to ruin them. On the street, Robert sees Tyler who's there to see Amy. Uh-oh. After all that, asks Robert and he drags Tyler away for a chat. In the van, Robert thinks that Tracy's going to castrate Tyler if she finds out uh, that this is going on. Tyler says that he doesn't fancy Amy, but he says that he owes her friendship, and he's changed. And Robert thinks if Irish Tina finds out, she could miss Carrie. Well, it's not that if she finds out, she could miss Carrie, but if she finds out and she and Tracy go after one another again, then maybe she could miss Carrie. Tyler doesn't give a shit, and he leaves the van. So Robert immediately gets on the phone with Steve. (sighs) Ha. This whole thing, I thought it was quite nice that, that Tyler acknowledges that one of the reasons why he's a better kid now is because of Robert. Right. And Robert seems touched by that acknowledgement. Not touched enough. But not touched enough, <laughs> no. Revisits Michelle at home. He has unfinished business, he says, which sounded quite ominous. Uh-oh. But no, he wants all this to be over, so he's drawn up a settlement agreement so she can walk away. Michelle says that she's already walked away and is suspicious and she thinks that there's a, what she calls a gagging order in there, a non-disclosure agreement. A gag order. In the wording. Ray calls it standard and offers her 20 grand to sign and keep her mouth shut. In other words, Ray sees Alia and explains that Michelle has left. Alia asks if he'd be Uh interested in her replacing Michelle. Uh Uh-oh. He loved her food after all and she says that she will do whatever it takes to make this work. Uh Uh-oh. And Ray kind of gets a hard on about this. Yeah, she also says something interesting about, for some reason, the, the mineral water shipment to um, Speed Doll. Yeah, because Tim's fucking dad's involved in this now. That's right. why there's no mineral water. Yeah, yeah. She really needs to be focusing on corralling. I, I don't understand why, in a storyline later, 
she's not more she's not there to corral all, all of this stuff why is mm. she not in speed doll doing her job so carla's on a break from the bistro and is at number one having tea with simon Amy comes in furious. Robert's grasped her up to Steve about Tyler and she's grounded. And Carla is surprised that Robert would give a fuck one way or the other about all this. Yeah, yeah. I'm really surprised that Steve told Amy that it was Robert who who grasped her up because... Oh, Steve's not the most intelligent. Well, and also... um... Sorry, Steve. But Amy, but Amy, in another storyline, tells Emma that she's, you know, texting with Tyler and stuff, and begs her not to tell Steve. So I was thinking that that was going to that this that was going to be the assumption, and that was going to cause a rift in the new sisterhood of the traveling pants. Traveling pants. <laughs> this the sisterhood of the traveling pants. You've you've never heard of those books? No. Or those movies? No. Oh, dear. Okay. So anyway, Alia goes to the bistro and tells Michelle about taking the job with Ray. Michelle warns her that Ray isn't easy to get on with, but wishes her good luck. And Robert overhears this and wonders why Michelle's just let Alia crack on with that. And Michelle says, well, she's signed a gagging order, so she can't tell Alia. But then she doesn't mention anything about the 20 grand that she's got. Interesting. Hmm. Later, Carla tells Michelle about the Amy thing, and both of them are as baffled as each other about why this had anything to do with Robert. And how Robert would have known. This net is beginning to close in Yes. on Mr Preston. Yes. Finally. Finally! Oh, this is such a long time coming. Yep. So, I, I don't think Robert's lies have got much... Much longer to go. He was supposed to be getting married to Michelle on his pretend 50th birthday party, remember? Yeah. And that was in October. And it's now November. It's kind of like they've just forgotten about it. It it, kind of feels like that. Or or they've moved his birthday. (laughs) All of a sudden he's going to be born in December. He's not 50 anyway. So why not just have a non-birthday in October? Why not move it to December if you're going to be... Who knows? Just making the whole thing up. Who knows? Huh. Huh. There's lots of things that they seem to forget about. Well, the two of them haven't been in it for the longest time. Right. Yeah, it was nice to see Tyler and Irish Tina come back. Right. Into the show. And Michelle and Ryan are both back. Ryan's not been in it for a while, yeah. Yeah. Because Michelle and Ryan... Not quite as much as the others. Michelle and Ryan were away somewhere together I thought no, I because Ali says something you know about his about his mum and, and Ryan being gone and he has to blah 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 I don't remember our penultimate storyline tonight already <clears throat> it's Tim's fucking dad oh god can we just fucking not <laughs> fucking cover him anymore we just ah, uh, I just it just keeps getting worse like Blatant gaslighting this week. Blatant gaslighting of, oh, I told you this. Tim's fucking dad woke up. He's this, such a fucking tit <laughs> and I fucking hate his face. How else can I make this woman's life more of a misery? A living hell. Let's see how, how far we can go with that. At home, Tim's dad is on the computer, but quickly changes from 
I think he's looking at a Weddy County site and then changes it to looking at a dating site when Jasmine comes in. So rather than hiding the data, dating site, he's almost advertising it, yeah, but she doesn't see weird. it. He claims to be looking at poster designs to advertise the bring your own bottle thing. And Yasmin thinks this is something they need to run by Alia. But he points out that the two of them are for it. So, yeah. fuck Alia. But they own a share. And Al- they bought... They own a half. And Alia owns a half. Right. So, the two of them together is not enough. No. And he doesn't seem to know how to do maths. He reacts well. I'll be surprised. Or anything else. He reacts badly when Yasmin wants to get involved in the poster thing and says that too many cooks spoil the biryani. Yeah. Well, you you can't you can't make posters for a restaurant that you co-own with two other people. I love this next scene though. Ah. Uh. Tim's fucking dad asks Roy and Roy's roles to put up a poster, but Roy isn't keen calling them the competition. Right. And Tim's dad is rude to Roy, saying that well, you know, you, you just like slap a tea bag into a cup of water and you call yourself Hope Cuisine and Roy's like are you deliberately trying to be a dick here? <laughs> <laughs> Yasmin apologises and Tim's dad says you need to apologise for me and then he gets yeah, a call we fucking do. and Yasmin sees it's a notification from that dating site and Tim's dad pretends that he's been caught doing something that he shouldn't as he concocts a story about doing research for a new segment on his radio show and he claims to have told her about it but she never listens. Right and you must have been on the sauce again. Right. Oh, I just want to fucking punch him in his fucking stupid face. <laughs> Back home, Tim's dad continues to gaslight Yasmin, saying she never listens to him, and he bets that she's even forgotten that he's going away next week to meet the people from the dating agency, and calls her jealous when she questions him about it. He says Tim's mum was like this, and he'd sooner call it quits than go through all that again. And at which point I started yelling at the screen, Fine! Good! Do it! Finish this! <laughs> No! Yasmin apologises and Tim's dad admits oh! that he was planning on going away next week with Yasmin. And it was supposed to be a surprise, but there's no point doing it now if she doesn't trust him. And he storms off. Oh. And Yasmin goes running after him and finds him in the pub. He doesn't want the third degree from her, thank you very much. He was trying to sweep her off her feet and he gets accused of cheating. She wants to make it right, but it's too late, he says. He was planning to take her to Las Vegas. Sin City, he says. Maybe she'd like to go there with Johnny. And he leaves her to it. God, that's a... Yeah, because there was there was a um, scene right earlier right. where, you know, they have some banter with Johnny and, and Tim's fucking stupid face, fucking tit dad, <laughs> you know, makes some comment about how, you know, Yasmin is so much nicer talking to Johnny than she is talking to him or something stupid like that. I fucking hate him. I want this to be over. Yeah, I, I feel like where is Gary when you need him to beat somebody up? I feel like we're getting them. somewhere with us. I, I, again, I'm hoping for Christmas that somebody is going to kill Tim's dad. Oh, fingers crossed! How, fingers crossed. How much pain would you like Tim's dad to go A through lot. right before? I don't want something quick. The most? No, no. It must be slow. Like and maybe, torturous. Maybe go through a, uh, a bacon slicer or something like that. Well, Feet also first. being set on fire. Because <laughs> uh, that's the most painful way to die, right? Is fire? Oh, I don't know. I would think that that would be the worst way to die. I don't think it's pleasant. No. 
From Wait. what I've heard about it, it's probably not pleasant. No. And it takes a while. You wouldn't say, oh, they pass away peacefully on fire. No. That wouldn't happen. It doesn't no. happen. No. <clears throat> Despite the fact that I hate Tim's dad and I'm just so emotionally destroyed about Yasmin and how she's been broken. Ugh. They're acting it very well, though. They're doing a very good job of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's just a little too realistic. <laughs> and Yasmin was such a strong, vibrant character, and now she's just been sliced to bits, and you hate to see it. You can see her. She's empty now. She's just... You hate to see just it. Just a little shell. Yeah. And he's just going to continue doing this until... Until there's nothing left. Somebody sets up, sets up on fire. Right. And, and then, then slices, slices them up. Them up. <laughs> and then the dog eats them. Right. He's trying He's trying to get the whole business, isn't he? He's trying to take... I don't think he wants it. I don't think he's interested in it. I think he's... I, I, no, he seems interested. He wants it until he gets it. Well, no, because now that he has it, he's trying to make all these changes and stuff. And he's doing this stupid course. And he's supposedly going to be sending this thing to this woman in Colorado to check the poster and then he'll show it to the people who actually own the business with him. Like this woman in Colorado one, Springs is going to look at this poster for bring your own bottle to a Pakistani restaurant in Manchester and go I don't give a fuck. <laughs> sure, it's fine. Whatever. Whatevs. Our final storyline tonight Aww. is Emma's burst appendix fallout. On is that Monday. what we're calling it then? <laughs> Whatever. And Gary, you know, Gary versus Ali part. Which all stemmed round about Emma and what have you. 57. Steve is in Royal Road with Maria. He's making a song and dance about Ali while Maria reminds him that medicine is not an exact science and he should calm down. Steve tries to bring Sally into it and she agrees that uh, Ali needs reported. Maria and Gary are arguing about Maria's forgiving attitude towards Ali. Gary can't believe it and he storms off. Adam, who's in Maria's barber chair at that time, is very interested by this and goes off without getting the haircut he so desperately needs. <laughs> Dr. Gadas... Which is, which is a good thing, because he's sitting there and she's about ready to cut his hair and they haven't washed that hair yet. Oh, it's still gold greasy. It's yeah. All, yeah, it's all stuck together. You need to wash that before you start cutting it. Dr. Gadas, who has never set foot in the cab office as far as I'm aware, comes into the cab office. Steve doesn't waste any time talking about Ali with her. You're the ref, he says. And he explains it and says that he even thought it was appendicitis and he's a flaming cabbie. And later, Steve is in to see Emma in the hospital and it's a little awkward when she sees the nurse tell him information because he said that he was her dad. And it quickly escalates into arguing about Ali. Emma is far more understanding than Steve who chooses to ignore all the fine points Emma makes. And she advises him that holding grudges isn't healthy. Then Ali meets Gadas in the street, and she says that she's reported them. She took no pleasure in doing it, but she was professionally obliged. Ali knows it was Steve who grasped him up, and then he chat this through. He gets out his phone and calls Maria. So Maria meets Ali in the community garden, and Ali apologises for everything. He He regrets dumping her, and he says that it's complicated. He talks about fake confidence as a doctor, that he has to sound like he knows what he's talking about, and he's kind of brought that forward into his... uh, outside work life and Maria claims to understand he admits to being jealous when he saw her and Gary and then tells her that Dr Gadas that's how he pronounces it has dubbed him in 
Adam wanders by during all this. And then Adam tracks Gary down to... Ro- uh, was it Roy Rolls or the Rovers? I can't remember. It's Rolls. And winds him up about Maria being with Ali in the community garden. Yeah, thanks a lot, Adam. Right. So back in the community garden, Maria suggests speaking to Emma and apologising and that she'll speak with Gadas. They kiss and Gary sees all this happen and is not amused. And later, Maria's back in the barbers when Gary comes in. He wants to know where she's been and she admits to seeing Ali, who's dead upset about Emma and that they kissed for a bit. She just wants to be honest and he thinks, well, fuck you later then. And she says that she wants him, not Ali, but he's not interested. And then Ali comes in to see Emma at hospital and Steve is asleep in the chair. Why? Why, Maria? Why do you want Gary fucking Windass? I don't know. Look at that hair. (laughs) Ali apologises and Steve wakes up and does his dinger when he sees Ali. Emma is happy that this is the end of it. And Steve brings up a taxi analogy that he's mentioned twice before. And when Emma scolds him with her dad, he reluctantly shakes Ali's hand. And Ali reveals that he's been reported by Dr. Gadas, and he leaves. And Emma knows it was Steve what did it. Then at the funeral funeral thing? That was f- really sweet, though. When Emma the shouts, dad. dad! Yeah, that was lovely. Yeah, I like that. At the furniture thing, Gary calls Lenny the private investigator. He has a job for him. And then Steve and Emma argue about whether she should call him Dad or Steve, and they seem to settle on Dad, which Steve kind of pushes her towards, and he offers her room at the flat when she gets out, and he looks very happy with these developments. And then we meet Lenny again, and Gary is rather timid when he asks Lenny to get the dirt on Ali for horning in on his missus. And Lenny takes the piss out of Gary a little bit, but he lets it go, and then he gets a call from Maria, but he dings it, and then retrieves something from a safe box. Looks like tickets for something, but why would he keep them under lock and key? Then Gary turns up at Maria's, he doesn't want to mess around, and then presents her with tickets to the circus. It's the very best circus, and that's why you need to keep <laughs> those tickets so. under lock and key. For them and the kids. That's what he keeps in the safe box. And then Maria is so chuffed for this, they go off to get their hole. Sure. On Wednesday, in Roy's role, Steve and Amy chat with Gary and Maria about Emma getting out. Gary's still shifted about Ali, and Steve reveals that it was Gadas who reported Ali. And Gary quickly leaves and is on the phone to Lenny. He has a lead and he asks the clearly incompetent private investigator to investigate Gary's past. Uh, uh, Ali's past. Yes, don't, don't investigate my past. <laughs> You've already done that. You tried to do that and I nearly killed you. Yes, Ali's past, please. Steve and Amy get to the hospital to pick up Emma. Amy makes a strong case for Emma to stay with Emma until she's better and Emma agrees. Kind of reluctantly. Yeah, and the Rovers, Gary and Adam have some low-level hostile chat about Maria and circuses and clowns and stuff. Back home, Amy and Emma are enjoying a sisterly conversation about boys, and it turns out Amy is in contact with Tyler, which we know because of the other storyline. Right. Who Amy insists has changed, and he has changed. Yes. Amy begs Emma to keep shtum about all this. Then Gary and Maria are wearing red noses when they go into the Rovers and scare Johnny. With a balloon. Then Gary... Who let's not forget It's genuinely terrifying when you you know, you're you, you turn around and that big balloon face is like right there. Even if you're not afraid of clowns, and I'm not afraid of clowns. It was genuinely terrifying. Then Gary, who let's not forget is a supervillain now, takes a call from Lenny while he's still wearing the fake nose. And Lenny has some juice for Gary, who makes his excuses from the pub and leaves. It's red nose day soon, isn't it? Is it do the no, red that's usually in the summer, day? I think. Isn't it? Maybe it's in September. I don't know. I think we do it two different times, so I don't know. Who knows? Does Red Nose Day here? Yes. Co- is it called Comic Relief? Yes. 
I didn't think it was an international thing. Later with Steve out of the way, Amy promises that she won't let Tyler knock her up again. He's changed and has moved somewhere nice with his mum, and Emma promises to keep her mouth shut. Then at the furniture place, Lenny tells Gary about Ali's missing shifts, being distant, and that guy who got done for supplying drugs what, well. called Big Farmer. Shouldn't be Big Farmer. Well, that's a joke. Yeah. Mostly to doctors. Uh-huh. Gary is super uh-huh. interested by this. So super interested that by Thursday, Gary's got Big Farmer tied up in the back of his van. And he looks very different from the guy that they... Remember when <laughs> that guy got arrested? Oh, vaguely. He was thinner and he had glasses. And now he's like chunkier and he's not wearing glasses. And the other guy had hair and this guy didn't. And now he's black. He's not black. Okay. He and Lenny get him out of the van and the furniture thing. Gary has a baseball bat to encourage Big Farmer to talk. He wants to know what he was selling to Ali. And Big Farmer pretends not to know what he's talking about. So Gary gags him again and starts swinging the bat. So Big Farmer confirms that he sold diazepams to Ali. But he doesn't have any evidence because these were all cash transactions. Right, yeah. Like you keep a record of your illegal... (laughs) Right. Just because you do it, Gary, doesn't mean that everybody else does it. Would you like a receipt for your your jellies, sir? Okay. (laughs) Gary, the supervillain, threatens to take Big Farmer to the police until Lenny, this was hilarious, points out that he's already been charged and convicted and is on a suspended sentence. Yeah, seriously. Oh, says Gary. I guess we better let him go then. Meanwhile, Councillor Toya meets Ali in the community garden and they talk about the roots of Ali's addiction, which goes back to last year and Ronan's death. Yes. And good riddance, says Toya, and Ali just kind of lets it pass. And neither of them mention the fact that this is the person who ran over Leanne, <laughs> Toya's sister. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Toya's acting like she has no personal experience with this story. None whatsoever. Yeah, she was heavily None involved. None of in them it. mention Leanne and the fact that this is what got Nick back on the street. Yes. And everything. Suddenly, Toya and Ali are having a kebab and it's later at night. Toya thinks it's unfair that he's getting into trouble when he wasn't even on call. Thank you, Toya. I think this is... Yeah, that's exactly my argument. Everyone else's argument. Right, yeah. She offers to go along with him to his hearing and then they talk about his plans to make it right by Maria. Then on Friday, Ali and Toya, who have been inseparable recently, are talking about his meeting later and Michelle doesn't know about it and she won't know about it. And Toya thinks dressing up nice will create a good impression. Then Ali sees Marie and Gary leave the house looking all lovey-dovey and Gary shoots a look across at Ali. And Gary and Ali bump into each other again in Roy's Rolls when Ali comes out of the gents and sees Gary sitting at his table eating his breakfast. Gary tells Ali to stay away from Maria. He knows all about the kiss and he doesn't want... And he says that Ali doesn't want to know what will happen if he doesn't back off. Then Ali goes to speak to Ryan at the bistro and explains about Gary being on his case like he was going to listen to Gary, but Ryan warns him to tre- tread carefully. He was in the army after all, and then Ryan clams up before any more information comes out. But Ali presses it, and Ryan says, you shouldn't trouble trouble, and then finally admits that Gary was the one who beat him up. And Toya's waiting in the pub for Ali and gives him a call to tell him to get a wriggle on, and she says that she hopes he isn't off getting high on those diazepams. Right. And while she's doing it, I'm thinking, why is she being so oddly specific in this phone call? She's going to leave a message on somebody's machine saying, Hiya, I'm looking for you. Could you give me a call back, please? Oh, and I hope that you aren't off getting high on diazepams. Thanks. Bye. 
And I mean, granted, it's, you know, his cell phone, which you would think nobody else is going to be listening to his cell phone messages. It's not like it's back in the old olden times when we had answering machines in our homes and anybody could press the button. In the old medieval times, that's yes. right. The old age <laughs> voice we, machine. When we had to talk on a telephone that was attached to the wall. Oof. Oh, I was telling Stelly about that dial. the other day. With a rotary dial. <laughs> Buttons. Did you ever have a phone that had party line on it? No. We had party I'm line on my first old. phone. The first phone, this big Bakelite thing. Right. That was in my uh, my grandparents' house. I had a party line on it. I was never quite sure what the party line was for. I think you kind of shared a line with somebody. You shared a line with everybody on your street. <laughs> right, so if they were already on the phone. Right. You picked up the phone, you could hear them. Right. And then you hit the party line to get... Your own line, was it? No, you had to hang up and wait for them to finish before you could make your own phone So what's call the point of the party line button, then? It, it, was, it was because, you know, back in the day, there weren't enough. It was, it was back when you had... I don't understand why you would still have a party line in the 70s in the UK. Well, this phone was probably from the 60s. Right, but that was, yeah. I mean, well, even then, because, like, Party Lines was back before, back in, like, the the initial days of the telephone when, when somebody at was in an office plugging you into other lines and stuff where and you that had was actual always telephone a operators. And she yes. was always from New York. Right, because Would women... Would connection, please? Because, because, because women are are faster and, and more efficient at it. If initially, they had men doing it, and they were awful at it. And that's why women took that over. There's Not quite this whole it. history of it, you know. But anyway, where you had to, like, pick up the phone and say, Tennessee 116, please. And then make milking motions <laughs> with your hands, apparently. You wanted to speak to a farmer. Big farmer? Well, they would go back to the story. <laughs> Party lines are strange things. Anyway, Toya is waiting in the pub for Ali and gives him a call uh, to tell him... Oh, no, I've literally just said that. But Ali is ignoring Toya and Ryan and goes off into the furniture thing and he tells Amy, who's working there, that Gary wants to see her, so now he has it a place to Ryan, It wasn't Ryan, it was Ali. Ryan, Ali goes into the furniture place and yeah, tells... I didn't say Ryan did it. He's ignoring Toya and Ryan because Ryan told him to stay away. Ah, Okay, it sounded like you said Ryan goes into and talks to, uh, no, what's her name? I didn't say that. What's her name? Amy. Her name's not Amy. Faye. Faye. <laughs> Faye. <laughs> so he goes through Gary's... <laughs> so he tells Faye that Gary wants to see her, so now he has a place to himself. He goes through Gary's drawers, but not like that, no. and quickly finds a ledger in the wall safe. And well, then he hightails quickly, it to Maria's all the drawers first. and gets buzzed in. And he announces himself without hearing who it is that's picked up the phone. Right. And he doesn't know who's upstairs and he just barges in, waving the ledger Michelle, about. you need to see this. Or not Michelle. Maria. Maria. Or Faye. Or Amy. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> or Ryan. <laughs> or Johnny. Or Evelyn. Or Tim's fucking dad. <laughs> oh, Ali waves the ledger in front of him and tells him to be more careful, calling Gary a loan shark. And once Maria sees this, she and Gary will be finished. Whoa, whoa. Then Gary says, Ali's going to hand the ledger back. Uh, and then he's going to back off. And he's going to cross the street whenever he sees 
Gary and Maria because he snubbed Ali's phone in Roy's rolls when Ali was in the bogs. And wait, he's just now noticed that his phone is missing? Right. Who who could go that long without reaching for their phone? And he plays back Toya's oddly specific message. How did he get into his messages? How did he figure out what his code is to well, unlock his phone? Ali asks that and Gary says, well, come on, I know people. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. It's None like, of this makes any sense. It's like that he knows he he knows the the psychology of people that his password probably one two three four or does or he his know birthday. or does he know people or who can get into the phone that he physically knows None people of this who makes can break sense. into the phone. I don't know. None of this makes sense. Ali insists he's clean. Gary doesn't need this aggro from Ali and explains his dealings with Big Farmer, but he had nothing until Toya called. They continue to argue with Gary threatening Ali with getting struck off and missing his meeting. Either hand over the ledger or the phone goes to the GMC. And then they finally exchange ledger and phone just as Maria and Liam come home. They pretend Ali was buying some furniture from uh, Gary and Maria falls for it. And and Gary says to um, Ali that he's he's gotten a recording of the voicemail right. somewhere else. Just in case he thinks that he's going to go. How did he do that? With his phone recording this other phone playing? I guess. What? I don't know. Toy explains to Ali later that she made a family emergency excuse to the meeting panel and she's worried that he's going to relapse, but he's excited about getting another chance to speak with them tomorrow. I'm I'm confused as to why they would listen to Toya, but anyway. Well, because she's a counsellor. Right. Is she? Because she never mentions it. Ryan is walking home with his kebab when Gary jumps him, wanting to know what he told Ali. And Ryan explains that it was family. kebab in his face. So (laughs) many kebabs in the face this week. It makes me really, really want a kebab. Ryan explains it was family. Didn't want to see Ali get in the hut. And Gary tells him that his interest is back on the loan and it's doubled. Uh Uh-oh. Pig's tits, says Ryan. Yes. Then Gary gets back to Maria's where he handles Liam playing a violent video game telling him that you're always better thinking with your brain rather than your fists. Oh, what did I do to deserve you, asks Maria. Break a mirror, suggests Gary. And they smooch, and that's how we end this week's episodes. Ugh. Why, Maria? What do you see in him? Uh, He's about the only one left that he hasn't. That hasn't been there. But now, now he has, so... Oh well. And, I mean, it's nice that the two wee boys are, are friends and they get to hang out together. It's them I feel bad for. Because we, they probably think that they're going to be brothers. Are we buying Gary as a supervillain yet? No. No, it's just not working. Why is it and not it working? Just, it really confuses me because I thought that the whole reason why he did this thing was to get Sarah back. Yeah, now he doesn't care about that. But now he doesn't care about getting Sarah back because he's getting his hole with Maria. He thinks he's traded up. But I don't think he really cares about Maria that much either. No. It seems to be with Maria to prevent Ali being with Maria. He's but like, why does he care about that? I don't know. I, I don't, None of this makes any I'm sense. I'm confused by his motivation in so many things now. And I'm also confused about... And why is everyone terrified of him? Well, because he beat Ryan up. And why... He finds a pussy. And why, why when Allie goes into the furniture shop, is Faye watching the furniture shop when Gary hired Fizz to watch the furniture shop? And why are all the lights oh, off? Fizz is away. And why is... Oh, that's right. And why is Faye wearing a coat in there and has all the lights off? 
And why? <laughs> it, none of it makes any sense. Are you concerned about Ali and Toya spending so much time together? Not really. I'd like to see Toya and Imran together in a scene soon, just to just to reinforce that a little reinforce bit. Reinforce that they are together. Because they're spending they an awful lot of time together, and I'm concerned that Ali's going to start thinking that maybe Toya fancies him because she's spending every waking moment with him. No, she, well, every moment that we as, see. As far as we're aware. And also, she's, she's spending time with him because she doesn't want to clean her flat, which she shares with Imran. Let's remember. Mm-hmm. But Imran's been in it this week. And, and Toya's, Toya's been, been in it this, this week. week. But they, they haven't been, been together. in it together. But that's because, you know, it's been Imran at work and Toya kind of at work, doing counsellor work only... Oh, she's a counsellor? Stop. Who would have guessed? I don't know. How am I supposed to know this if she doesn't tell anybody? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. It was no, nice it... to see Lenny. Was it? I you think he's quite... Even, you didn't even remember he was the same guy. I thought he was... An even more bumbling version of the previous guy, but it was the he, same was, he guy. was quite amusing when he was taking the piss out of Gary, which again just means that Gary's just not that great villain when this dim shit and what investigator and what is, is taking the piss out. Of him. And what is going? What is what is stopping Big Farmer from after he's gotten untied? From going to the police and saying, "Hey, this guy kidnapped me." Oh, you promised and he wouldn't. Was, yep. <laughs> so. It just promised a promise is a promise isn't worth very much. No, somebody is going to say, "Why would Gary put himself in this sort of a position just for Maria, where he's kidnapping somebody and tying them up and threatening them with a baseball bat, for which he could be put away for quite some time, bringing them in the middle of the street, right, <laughs> in the daytime." Why does he need to be in the furniture shop to get? questioned why can't you just question right. him in the it's van serious, at, it's seriously <laughs> in a waste ground somewhere if, if he started shouting because he's getting beat up with a baseball bat or threatened why doesn't big farmer call out and say help help i've do been you, kidnapped do you feel as stupid saying big farmer as i did saying big farmer i hated saying big farmer it's awful yeah i swear to god that's not the same guy that we see get arrested and ali's all agitated from weeks ago I swear to God, it's not the same guy. Oh, so now we're going to have to go and find that episode. And that other guy was shorter, thinner, and had glasses and hair. And black. No. No, no black. Moment of the week. Uh, um, there are a lot of really good moments. Is it? Is it David and Shona's wedding? No. Because I mean, that was sweet. And that when was sweet. And, and when um, and when David calls. Gail mum and she's like oh he called me mum he, he did that not so long ago as well yeah but it, it's either that or Emma calling Steve dad nope I mm. applauded at one thing this week what was it and it was Sally and Abby making up really that I, wasn't I really the enjoyed moment that. of the week it was my moment of the week it was <sighs> It was not the moment of the week. Well, what did you what did you got this better then? The wedding and David talking about donuts. <sighs> it's the wedding. You can't not give a wedding the moment of the week. When it wasn't nearly as bad as that wedding <laughs> in the community garden where Kirk was dressed up like a, a 
vampire. Poor Kirk. Nobody asked him to officiate at this wedding. <laughs> Dress as a vampire. No, but we get a female registrar who's in a hurry to get away to a lesbian blessing. Right. And it's and jumpy. It's quite cranky. Jumpy, yeah. She's got red hair. You want to give it to the wedding? Is there a particular scene in the wedding that you want to give it to? Yeah, the donut speech. Oh, fuck it, fine. That's our... Moment of the week. Our moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. The Asher stuff was kind of dull. But only because it was pointless. Well, we think it's pointless now, but it might bloom into something next week. It's not boring moment of the week, ignoring anything subsequently that happens. It's just stuff that happened this week that was boring. Right. There's also... Quite a bit of that whole Scrabble thing was kind of boring. Oh, no, I like the Scrabble stuff. Because I'll deal in it. <laughs> and also because you love playing words with friends. Right. Um. Yeah, fine. You let me have the wedding, so Asha can be our... I mean, I, I think she acted it perfectly well. Yeah, no, it was good. And Kathy was quite good in it. And she was funny, but it was just... Uh, yeah. Nothing harmed. So that's her... Boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. It has just gone 10 in the PM. Shall we wrap this one up, my dear? Yes, please, because I have to make a wizard hat. Yeah. And that is not a euphemism. (laughs) If you or someone you love has had a bad experience with a Rover 75, our helpline is available to you to contact in the following (laughs) manners. On email, I fucking hated that car. so much really? of my money went into that car. I, I couldn't tell. On email, we're the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is how you can leave a voicemail on Skype or plop a donation into a virtual tip jar plop. on PayPal. Alternatively, we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please rate and review us on the iTunes. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Ta. Bye bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.